This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hi, and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kristen Sruer. You are listening to episode 97. Today's guest on the episode is Emmy Birch. And what makes Emmy extra special is that she is going to be one of our newest hosts of the Illuminate Podcast. You met Miriam a couple episodes back, and she is our other new host. So we're We wanted to introduce you all to Miriam and Emmy, our two new hosts of the Illuminate podcast, before you heard them on the other side of the microphone. So today, I am super excited to introduce you to Emmy. Emmy is a woman of many talents, hobbies, and businesses. Just talking with her made me smile. I could just feel her energy coming through Emmy is a musician, a connector of people, a conductor, a music educator, a singing pacer, and yes, you'll learn what that is in this episode, a runner, a podcast host of another podcast on music music education, and she's just a person who illuminates joy, and you will feel that through this conversation today. I'm super excited to introduce you to her. I'm super excited that she is going to be a host of the Illuminate podcast, and I hope you love this conversation with Emmy. Emmy, welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I am so happy to have you here because today is extra special. Emmy is our new Illuminate podcast host, and we thought that you all should get to know her before you hear the voice behind her amazing episode. So Emmy, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of the team. I am the second of your two new co-hosts, so it's an honor to have this conversation today. We're so excited to have you here. And, you know, when we were first talking to um, have you as one of the hosts, one of the things that really stuck with me is that you fancy yourself a connector and lover of people with a mission to inspire and energize the world through music. And that's just really powerful. And listening to your own podcast, which you've had for a long time and talking with you, I could just feel your energy about how you are a connector and your love of music and bringing that to the world. Well, thank you so much. I I do think it's so important that We find a way to identify with something that's not just, I'm a teacher, I'm a choir director, I'm a mom. Those are important roles, but those are your vocations. And I think finding a new way to phrase it of why you're here. I believe wholeheartedly that I am here to connect people. And I love that we get to connect with new people on Illuminate. So this has been so much fun. That's awesome. So, I mean, you're a music educator. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have a lot of degrees in music. <laughs> I um, I moved a lot growing up. I think that's why I'm a connector of people. My mom is super smart. She was an engineer, and every few years we would move, and that meant you would get plopped down in a new public school and have to learn everyone in the classroom. So, of course, I love names. I love to memorize names, get to know everyone in the room. And I think I learned that in an early age. And the one thing that never changed from school to school, state to state, was my music classes. My dad's also insanely musical. Home Slice can sit down and play any instrument, no practice, by ear, just like, want to play Elton John? Okay, let's go. Just... Wow. So music was in your house growing up always. All the time. All the time. And it became my safe haven in middle school and high school. You're always part of a bigger community when you play in the band or you sing in the choir. And I did both. So when I moved my last time in the middle of high school, I decided to stay in Louisiana and go to LSU and they have a dynamite music ed program. And a couple years in, I wasn't sure what I wanted to teach because I thought high schoolers were so scary. And I found elementary school and loved teaching elementary music. So I got my undergraduate in music ed, specifically focused on elementary, even though I'm certified K-12. Got my master's at Florida State, and there I focused on secondary, specifically falling in love with middle schoolers because they're the bomb. Never know what you're going to get with a middle schooler. (laughs) Um, I taught kindergarten through eighth grade for uh, about five or six years. And then I just think that the universe knew I like to move and I love to energize people. And I got a job with a music curriculum traveling the country. So it was my job to go into a school and energize, either teach someone something on this curriculum or listen to their story and help them find a better path or just literally light the fire to get them excited about teaching again. So that was a really cool job for a bit. And then I got married and being on the road all the time is not good for a marriage for everyone. (laughs) Um, So we stayed, I got a job here in, I live in Savannah, Georgia, by the way. And I worked with the community choir of all little people, kindergarten through eighth grade for about 10 years. And then they decided to kind of pursue performance and Performance is awesome because music is a performance activity, but I really wanted to focus on education because for me, it's the process. Mm -hmm. How are you getting from A to B? What is, you can take so many twists and turns, but that process that you go through together, the concert's like the icing. It's the cool part at the end, but it's the process in which you got there. So I decided why not start my own thing? So I am now a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) I have a (laughs) bunch of community choirs, um, uh, groups from little people up through adults. I have a running and pacing company with my best girlfriend because we run marathons and I'm a singing pacer. So if you want to pace a marathon with me, I'll sing you every song I know. I do have a real job, quote, quote, I work as a professor, the coordinator of music education and visiting professor of music at the University of South Carolina in Aiken, and as a music appreciation adjunct faculty member at a school here in Savannah, Savannah Tech, which is just so cool. And then there's a bunch of other little things on the side, but I think all of it stems back to music gave me a community growing up and gave me a place to feel like I fit. And through the power of music, I'm able to find and connect and energize more people plus who doesn't want to teach history of rock and roll like i'm totally teaching history of rock and roll and tomorrow's lecture is the beatles and bob dylan and how they're interrelated yes love it so many questions now (laughs) sorry (laughs) you have talked a lot (laughs) 
No, it's so great. And it's weird to be on this side of the mic and not ask the questions. (laughs) Well, it's fun getting to ask you questions because you have such an interesting background. Okay. So first I want to know, what was your first instrument? Uh, Piano. Well, I mean, singing, we all sang. Um, The whole family did all the cousins. So little bitty singing, but piano was my, my instrument of choice. And to this day, I would rather play piano for you than sing. Okay. But you became, I mean, you, your part of your musical journey is that you're a vocalist, right? Is that mm-hmm. the right term? Yes, you are a rock okay. star. Yes. Um, my degrees all became vocal. Um, newsflash, if you get a degree in an instrument, you have to be by yourself in a practice room. Do you know who cannot be by herself for hours in a practice room? Me. (laughs) That did not work out so well. I quickly found out that if you're a vocalist, you can practice in groups. There you go. Okay. And did you do, you did voice training for your whole life? Yeah. See, uh, well, I didn't start my actual professional um, vocal lessons until I was a junior, senior in high school to get ready for auditions. Um, I still had to take piano and we have to take methods courses like woodwinds and brass and strings like we have to be able to play all of them. Wow. And okay. I played oboe in high school just you okay. know, I wanted to be in all the all the musical things. But I mean, again, process you can no matter where you are, if you're listening, and you've always wanted to learn an instrument, it is possible. You yeah. just have to break down the steps and find the process and the step-by-step strategies that work for you. Don't think like, oh, man, I need to play like Bob Dylan. No, like start by figuring out how to hold the guitar. Yeah. I mean, certainly you could pick up an instrument at any point in life. It's probably helpful mm-hmm. to start young, but. It is helpful. Yeah. So and- piano was my first one and voice was my my chosen natural as I'm still talking. <laughs> <laughs> And so your dad sang too? Oh, yes. Yeah. Mom and dad sang. Mom plays piano great. My sister's musical too. Like we're a whole kit and caboodle. We had a whole like music room at our house with guitars and basses and drums and. I love that. Family rock concert. We sing at every family gathering. That's so fun. It's I love that. There is a, there, I mean, there is something about how whether you are on the performing side or you are on the receiving side music does bring people together. There is a community, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a community based around a genre or a culture or a love of a singer Mm -hmm. or a, you know, dislike of a, an (laughs) instrument or, you know, I mean, I think that there's a variety of ways, but it does, it does certainly bring people together. Mm -hmm. Definitely. There's like points in life where you have memories, but they're always attached to music or like a song. Mm-hmm. At, for, at least for me. So, so there's so many things that music while I played piano and flute growing up and nobody wants me to sing, but I do sing to my <laughs> one and four-year-old a lot yes. that's, but I'm not good at any of my instruments, but where music is, is that point for me where I, I connect to a memory or a mm-hmm. time or a person. And that's really beautiful about music. So total nerd alert for a second. Um, a, great that you're singing with your kids. If kids don't hear vocal models by the time they're eight, the likelihood that they'll be able to match pitch is very, very unlikely. They can learn it, but great that you're singing for them. Okay, but what if the pitch is off by their That's okay. poorly singing mother? Totally fine as long <laughs> as they're hearing. Like your, your singing voice is in a different place than your speaking voice. 
Sure. So as long as they're hearing those different voices, just imitating the different placement in their vocal mechanisms will help them later. Okay. But then let's talk about nostalgia for a hot second. <laughs> Do you know there is a time frame called like your musical coming of age period? No. It's age about 15, like whenever you start driving until about 22, 23, whenever you get into the grinds of that first job. And if you don't believe me, go look up what was number one on the billboard charts when you started driving. And look up what was number one the year you had prom or graduated high school. Go look up what was number one in those years when you were 15 to 22, 23. And those are going to be those nostalgic things because your brain was in a place where it could take in that music and usually have it associated with really memorable and fun growing up things. I mean, when you said that, I was first thinking about prom and Boys to Men was my prom. And that graduation song came out remember yes okay that's based on pocketbell's canon like right i know which i walked down the aisle to i know i know agreed i know vitamin c that that's yes but that song came out when i graduated from high school yes so but yes see right we've connected back Mm -hmm. to the memory yeah Mm -hmm. okay so you are a singing pacer i need to go back to this (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first, wait, let's take another step back. You're a marathon runner. Um, Yeah, I had a professor in my master's degree tell me that if I didn't figure out how to get my energy under control, that I was not going to succeed in graduate school because bouncy ball, like I'm sitting on a bouncy ball while we're recording this right now. So I will hold still for you. I'm doing great. Um, So I went running and I loved it. Like I ran a few miles for my first time ever at age 18. Okay. Right. 21. Wrong direction. 21. 21. I was 21. <laughs> I th- yeah, 21. You and do so, music, not math. Don't worry about yeah, it. No, there is no math happening in the spring. <laughs> so she told me to go run and I loved it. And I found that it became a place I could focus. And so I got into marathoning um, when I moved to Savannah as a way to meet people. And I love that it's disciplined. There's, again, a process and a product. There are so many similarities between preparing for a season and having a race and preparing for a season and having a concert. And so one of my girlfriends got me into pacing. And what makes me special is I can, I'm like your jukebox. Give me a decade, give me a genre, give me a band. And if I don't know it, I will make it up. And And I'll tell you you I'm making it up. You don't get out of breath doing that. Not typically, because you, when you pace, you should not be running exceptionally hard. Okay, fair. Yeah. I don't sing to myself when I'm racing. How about that? Well, I mean, I do, but no one can hear it. <laughs> okay, let's say you're starting out on a race, you're pacing, and you're like, I'm the singing pacer, and nobody suggests a song because they're like, this is, we've never seen this before. What do you start with? What's your first song? It really depends on what's going on in the group. So I try not to talk like the first half because they're fine the first half. I need to get to know who's in my pace group. What does their run sound like? So when they start to run funny. So I don't start singing till the halfway point. So normally at like 13.1, I'm like, surprise, I'm a singing pacer. It's time to sing some songs. Who has requests? And if no one has anything, I'll go to like, I don't know, Disney or like, I'll just start going through the Rolodex. And I start giving them the mile countdown of random musical facts, starting at mile 13. So that there's never been a time that they didn't have an idea. And if I don't know the band or I'm like, oh, that's a band from such and such decade or this band's like that. How about we sing that one? 
And I won't sing like the whole song, but I'll give them a solid chorus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this feels to me like maybe another potential business idea, because I would think that a race would want a singing pacer to draw people there. I would sign up. (laughs) You have a singing pacer. Great. I hope Kimmy's listening to this. Kimmy's my friend. So our our running and pacing groups called Elevated Running and Pacing. And uh, she does all the run coaching and I do all the strength training. So that's where all of my random certifications that I got in my 20s fall into. And we have a few athletes and then we pace races and we coordinate all the pacers. And sometimes we pace and sometimes we don't. But that is what's on my bio. I will sing to you when we are running. Yeah, this feels to me like a draw for some some people running races. So, you know, you might need to add that on to your offerings as a um, as a company entrepreneur. Hey, you can purchase me to run your race with you. Right. Because I'm somebody now. Do you run with music or do you run without music? It just depends on what what type of workout it is. I'm in a really tough um, trying to qualify for New York. Okay. Um, so I'm in a tough block. So right now the music is only on super, super hard speed days and everything else is just chill. Do you okay. run with music? Yes, always. Or a podcast. Yeah, I love running with podcasts. I think because I have enough music in my brain. Yeah. Okay. That's so when you're really running, weird. when you're doing your speed work, <laughs> what are you listening to? What's your genre? What's your, what's your go-to list? Are you going to judge me? No, definitely (laughs) not. Because it couldn't be any more opposite. If it's a really, really tough one, I'm listening to like 2000s hip hop, like New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Atlanta. Love it. Those Like I'm going to listen to some really good hip hop. Um, Unless it's a longer tempo, like a longer speed instead of like 200s, 400s, those are short. But longer, I'm going to put on like some rock star classical music. Like I'm talking big romantic symphonies that are like building to the moment. So I feel like I'm on a soundtrack. Okay. All right. I like that. I can, I can see that build, how that can be really helpful when you're doing those workouts. Plus yeah. you're focused. Okay, yeah. Are you doing your workouts on a track? Those speed workouts? Um, no, no tracks are closed around here because of this glorious COVID thing. Mm, you can't okay. get on unless you have access. But we have sections of like we have a one mile park and a 1.5 okay. mile park and those type of things. So you can do them, do them there. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really Absolutely. cool. Yeah. So, you, okay. So you're training for New York. I want to qualify an, for New York. You're going to qualify for New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's your next race? Atlantic City. Oh, cool. I know. I've not been. I I think I went as a kid once. Maybe we used to live in Delaware. Okay. And so I think we went once as kids. I remember the boardwalk, I think. But I was supposed to do the New Jersey Marathon and they canceled, but gave us a free entry to Atlantic City. Okay. And when's that? The 17th of October. Man, I'm putting out everything into the universe. People now know that I listen to classical music and that I'm trying to run a really fast marathon. (laughs) I love it. See, that'll, that's just going to help with the focus, right? You can Great. bring that all that back all in. All my new friends that listen to the Illuminate podcast. Yes, I'm exactly. I'm really excited to meet all of them, by the way. If you're listening, I can't wait to meet you. Yes, it's a, uh, we have an amazing group of listeners and lots of people who have so many interesting people that we should talk to, to bring on mm-hmm. as we've brought on different guests who we've heard from listeners and it's really amazing how you can uncover so much good happening in the world that you just didn't know about in your little sphere, right? Yeah, you have to connect outside and be willing. 
Yes. That's the thing. I'm so excited to meet all the listeners. Yeah. Meet in a virtual, like, safe, you you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yes, of course. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more about the the educator piece of you and Mm. the teaching techniques. I mean, you already brought up about what children need to hear before they're age eight. What do you recommend to somebody who has little kids around bringing music into their life? You know, like me, I'm a mom of two boys that are one and four. One definitely loves music, but what would you, what would you recommend to me? What do do they need? Oh, awesome. So anything pre K one, it's all about just like beat versus not beat. So you really want them feeling like you want them exploring every possible movement, put on some massive movie soundtrack and let them create a a movement that goes with it, just exploring what it sounds like and how it feels in their body. Um, A lot of uh, feeling the beat, just the steady beat of something up until kindergarten, first grade-ish, that's the biggest thing. What's the beat and what's the rhythm? Which, oh, okay, by the way, if you are listening and you've ever said, quote, that song has a sick beat. I hate to bust the bubble, but that's wrong. You really like the rhythm of the song because the beat does not change. The beat's the heartbeat. It's just consistent. And you like whatever's on top of it. So you like the rhythm. So next time you like a song, be like, man, I really love the rhythm of this song. Because if you're saying the beat, you're actually kind of boring because it never changes. (laughs) Good to know. I did not know that. But you can like the beat too. Like you can be boring. I'm not saying you don't have, I mean, different strokes, I get it. different folks. I get it. Okay. Now you know. Now I know. Okay. Yeah. So All right. So getting your then- kids moving to it, feeling the beat, not feeling the beat, exploring. Like, have you ever seen those slide whistles that you can get at like, I don't know, Cracker Barrel back in the day? Or harmonicas, how they go yeah. high and low. Just exploring their different voices and playing games with the four voices, which are whisper, talk, sing, and shout but you have to figure out how you want that to fit in your realm of shouting in the house um Mm -hmm. but exploring the four voices is a great way to just see what they have okay and there's tons of kinder music stuff and there's great youtubes on how to do this but just move a lot to music i love that okay that we can do and we do do that here good perfect doesn't need music movement time i'm there for it And then let's say I was going to go, it's like a counseling session. If I'm going to introduce them to an instrument, what do I do? I mean, my natural inclination is piano. Right. Okay. So is my, I, there's a lot to gain from piano because you can still, um, I, kids shouldn't sit and hold still all the time. That's just not their heartbeats a different pace than ours does and they're still moving and exploring so I think piano is great because you can still create and improvise like have them create a rainstorm on the piano and mm-hmm. where's the thunder where's the lightning have them create um you know soundtracks to life on the piano just exploring those things and then when they're ready to sit and focus for 20 minutes 30 minutes piano is a great place to start because you learn how to read all the notes and that can transfer to any instrument but Drums are also really cool, and guitar is a fabulous place to start if you're super interested in it. So is violin. So you really have to see what – I always wait. Like I always say if someone's really young, preschool or kindergarten, first, second grade, I don't take any private students until, if they ask, wait six months. Okay. Get them exploring and playing with it. Don't let it fizzle. Find another way to tap into that desire, but say, okay, cool. Well, then we're going to wait six months 
And if you create some type of soundscape on the piano every four days or whatever, then we'll put you in lessons. Hmm. I love that. Kind of gives them a chance to, to choose and to see what they really like. When you say you take private lessons, are you doing piano, voice, Yeah, back in the day, (laughs) no, never taught oboe lessons. I took oboe lessons. I could make my own reads and everything, but like not a focus it takes to make an oboe read. Um, Very fun. I I used to teach before I started at the college level, and now there's – there's no time. Academia is a little more time consuming. Yeah, I can imagine. I was wondering where you would even find time between all the things that you do to teach. <laughs> I have no children and that is key. I have a great <laughs> husband who also works a million hours. And so it's a great, great team effort. Okay. Wait, you, I, where did you meet your husband? Because somewhere along the way you were a traveling curriculum and then he joined the story. Yeah, so he joined the story before the traveling curriculum. Okay. When I was first running, you're so sweet to ask. He's going to love that you asked this story. When I was first getting into Savannah and trying to find friends, I joined a group that did triathlons, and I had never done a triathlon. So I saved up and bought a bicycle, and I became the teacher that rode her bicycle to school so I could learn how to ride a road bicycle. And then I did a triathlon in which you had to put your head under the water, you know, like you have to swim. (laughs) Yeah. So no one told me that there was like the teacher from the Black Lagoon water that I was swimming in. Like you put your head underwater and there were things in the water. So I swam the whole triathlon with my head above water talking to everyone. Oh my God, y'all, why would you stick your head underneath this water? (laughs) And so the next week I showed up at the club meeting to be like, hey, I've done a triathlon and I'd like to join the club. Everyone says, weren't you that chick that was talking the whole swim? That's <laughs> I mean, hilarious. I didn't lose because I was fast running, so I could make right. it up on the run. But the swim and the bike were never so good. Um, <laughs> anyway, I met him doing that. He was at that event. He remembered meeting me. We became best friends while I dated all the other guys. And then one day I just really missed him. I was traveling with a choir overseas on choir tour. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I miss Spencer. What's wrong with me? And so called him, and we have been together ever since. I love that. And he was still in Savannah. Yes. So he is from Brunswick, which is a little further south than Savannah. Okay. And he works for um, aerospace stuff. He works at Gulfstream Aerospace and does airplanes and lots of math and spreadsheets. It's a great combo. (laughs) Sounds like the you guys complement each other well. That's awesome. He's super awesome. That's cool. So when you were doing on this with the traveling choir, where did you go? Who were your students? What did that look like? like We took 40-some middle schoolers to to, uh, Italy. Okay. And then a few years later, we took them to Prague and Vienna. Um, So there's tour companies. I used to work for a tour company. And you work with the directors to kind of design the perfect tour for the educational and musical goals. And then you go on choir tour across the water on an airplane. That's so fun. What a fun opportunity. You get really close to those kids, really close. And they're going to these places of such deep history Mm -hmm. of music and what Mm -hmm. a neat opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. It's the same, like even if you don't go across the water and you stay stateside, we had a great tour to Atlanta and we got to sing all these songs like, one mile in the civil rights museum and just all these really cool places where you're experiencing it, but also creating the music that everyone else is Mm -hmm. experiencing. 
That's really cool. You are teaching the history of rock and roll tomorrow. I am. Okay. Is that your, what's your favorite, oh, that's a I guess, topic that's like of music or favorite, favorite music history lesson of music? I've, tomorrow's lecture really is one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, Bob Dylan and the Beatles and how it all ties to Motown. And I do love that lecture. Um, but I don't know. I love all the classes that I'm teaching right this second. I have elementary music methods. So how do you teach elementary kids music? Which is like playing all the time. And then lots of learning while playing. Then there's history of rock and roll. I'm teaching introduction to music or music appreciation. Depends on what you call it. Um, and I'm at that point where they're all like, this music's really boring, but I don't hate it. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm doing my job. Nice. My favorite was I read a discussion from a student last week that was like, man, Hildegard von Bingen is a rock star. Y'all, she's a medieval female, like, church person thing. Like, she's a nun, you know. But she was a scientist and composer. And this person wrote a massive epic novel on how she loved the music of the medieval period by Hildegard. Okay. So I think I love it all. But that's why I have three degrees in music and two doctoral minors because I couldn't make up my mind. (laughs) What are your doctoral minors in? Music history and and music theory. Okay. And then your mate, what was your doctorate in? Or like, Mm -hmm. what did you do your thesis in? So my doctorate is in conducting. So the waving of your hands, which is why my hands are always moving when I'm talking. Um, But I have a degree, like like a performance degree in how to make choirs and orchestras all stay together and sound good. Wow. Okay. I had no idea that that that's a whole degree. degree I mean, it makes Mm -hmm. sense. (laughs) A lot of waving your hands around. It's really fun. Like little things you do can make people like... I could randomly just roll my shoulders back and you'll naturally roll your shoulders back. Or like when I lean in, you'll lean in. Like there's things you can do with your body that will cause an ensemble to change their sound. That's amazing. There's also a lot about that comes out of like interpersonal skills and and how you become that connector, right? By these Mm -hmm. different movements that your body can do. and, And as a result, somebody else will do something. Mm-hmm. to react to it it's so much fun you're so connected it's yeah hands down I'm so so thankful to call this my career that's really cool okay you were telling me earlier before we we started the interview that you are doing everything zoom now oh my gosh yes so yes oh my goodness yes let me change that yes Yay. <laughs> it started as just hybrid 50 50 um but my University is kind of far away from Savannah and it's all back roads and with all of the tourists that come to Savannah and where my university is, I don't really feel comfortable exchanging germs. Yeah. And my students are great. We I have all virtual classes that meet asynchronously, meaning no designated time. Mm-hmm. And then I have hybrids that meet synchronously on Zoom and asynchronously on other days of the week. So it's a bunch of I don't have a designated time every day that I have to teach, but I offer different times all the time for my students to attend lecture recordings okay. so they can feel like they're in class. Is it weird to record a lecture for an asynchronous class? When there's no one there? Yes. Yeah. You like talk to yourself. Yeah. That's it. That must be a, that's a change of what mm-hmm. you were probably doing before. Totally different teaching style, but it's fun to explore. 
do you, are universities now thinking about doing more offerings like that rather than in person or does it depend on the university? It's really going to depend on the university. I do think we have to be aware of what's going to happen moving forward. What does this generation that has spent so much time away from school or masked, what are they going to want for their college career? Are they going to take a gap year? Are they going to look for more options? That's why I love teaching at both a traditional four-year school and at a a technical college because it's different populations and it helps me be a better teacher too. I learn just as much from all the students as I hope they learn from me. That's awesome. And you're probably singing now in a mask. In, if we're in person, so all of my community choirs, we sing masks. We have really fun looking masks. You're kind of duck-like. Yeah. Because it moves away. It's so nice. It's actually like, it's not that bad. I mean, okay. it's quiet, very quiet. And I miss their faces and their smiles. Yeah. But you learn how to emote with your eyebrows really well. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Or for you, you can still use your hands. So that's good. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the best masks for the singing are the, I know exactly the ones yeah. you're describing. So Broadway did a bunch of them to help the people on Broadway that didn't have jobs. And then there's a bunch of music companies that now have singing masks. Cool. And I found some people on Etsy that would make them. And that's been fun, too. That's awesome. But I bet the first couple of times you did that, it was very strange. Oh, yes. Yeah. We're getting used to it. Look, at, I mean, we adapt. We find we a process. We adapt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we really do. And I mean, I even think about my four-year-old. It's like he just knows like you are entering a public setting. He has a mask in his pocket. Right. It's like he doesn't even think about it. It's just part of life. That's so interesting. It'll be interesting to see where that goes when the masks go away. If the masks yes. go away. I know they did go away briefly and then they came back. Mm-hmm. Although he never they never went away for him because he's obviously too young to be vaccinated. But sweet little four-year-old i know oh, i kind of want to send you a bunch of my favorite songs to sing and dance with him oh i would love you to send we're me those songs that yes. would be so much fun yeah four-year-olds are great i have a nephew who's four. Oh, so much my fun. one-year-old favorite song currently well he's got a couple but he like really likes row 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 your boat Yes. And then he also really likes the Elmo song because he wants to do the la 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 la. <laughs> the la la's are great and super yeah. fun. Um, with row row your boat, crazy challenge. Take off the last word. Row 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 your boat gently down the stream. Merrily 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 life is better. Row, and then take off the next last word. And, and see then if the he next can last word. Okay. And cool. see if he knows them or just. Just it's see a challenge. if you can stop one word earlier. It's a challenge to think through what's happened. So there, it's going to be super hard. He might only get one or two of the words. Okay. But just getting him to think like it's a self-control thing too. And to think ahead and stop at the same time. Ah. If you're listening and you're an adult, I challenge you. Try right. It. You're okay. You're going to have a mental moment. But it's really fun. It's a brain exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. If okay, you don't so get anything else from this episode, you walked away with you'll... the crazy row, row, row your vote. <laughs> We all need brain challenges, right? To keep us keep us fresh. Okay, you're co-authoring a book, aren't you? I am. It's it's a book about music. And tell me more. Can you can you share more at this point? I can. Yeah, we we have a contract with a publishing company. The book is due in December. It'll be part of the textbooks that my students have to buy. It's not a textbook, but they'll all have to buy it. It's the it's all the executive guide stuff of how do you make a choir? Because a lot of people in the music world, you only know your one craft. 
And so what happens when you have to start an organization? And there's all these other things that happen. So the book is in three sections. How do you communicate your value? How do you communicate that value with your team, your volunteers, your board, your staff, your people? And then how do you communicate that with your community at large? How do you show your impact and tie that value to both accounting financially and impact numbers? So it's really a book of an executive guide for the musician who's running an organization. That's amazing. Thanks. It's a lot of fun. I have a great co-author. He is the bomb. His name is Alex. He writes perfectly the first time through, whereas I'm like, all the words on the page. And then his have beautiful headings and his little drafts. And I have to go find out where my paragraphs are supposed to be. (laughs) Now, is he doing one section and you're doing another? Or how do you guys, how are you divvying up the writing of it? It's all split up. We have really different backgrounds in the world of choir and the world of music. So we've kind of split it up and there's two chapters we co-wrote, which are pretty and then everything else is individually, but it's like his mind, his mind, his mind. Okay. Really cool. I mean, it's like Thanks. a business playbook for. I hope so. I hope so. A musician. How do you teach a, a college kid who's going to go be a music teacher how to communicate with the parents? Because I can talk music all day, but I've had to learn how to communicate what means something to me to someone who doesn't necessarily find value in that same musical like I really value being able to play Chopin nocturnes on the piano perfectly Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna but how do you communicate that value to someone else yeah finding out those common connective tissues and now are you gonna have your husband read the financial accounting impact number section is he the editor of that? No. <laughs> he, he wants it to be an audiobook. He's like, you should read an audiobook. I'm like, yeah, no. But you could read it for me. He looks like like he looks like Mick Jagger, like real goofy and tall and awesome. I'm like, you could read it. And he's like, I wouldn't know where to emphasize the right parts. But he could do the financial section. I feel like you could sing the audiobook. Oh my god. No one would listen to that. It would be like <laughs> going to mass in the sixteen hundreds. Fourteen hundreds even. Maybe you just need singing parts or maybe you sing a song in between chapters. Okay. Like I'm the, you know, the audible, this audible book. Exactly. Yes. Okay. We could incorporate it. And I think we've got an idea for once the book's written. We can do that. You're trying to pull like, what's that Disney movie? The Emperor's New Groove where he has his own background music. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I just dated myself there. That one came out. In the later years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Emmy, tell me who are some people that you're excited about potentially interviewing for the podcast? <laughs> so My first one's done and uploaded. It's episode 99, it's coming. And I interviewed Dr. Bertie's Berry. She's a sociologist. Um, she's been on Oprah. Okay. I know. And she had a nationally syndicated TV show back in the day. And she is a storyteller. And it is just such such a beautiful conversation of how if you live life on purpose, you're going to collide with your destiny. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily knowing what you're doing every day. It's just the routine and consistency of showing up. And so she, oh, she just drops little little nuggets of what we need, especially I think in the fall when everyone's 
back to school, summer's gone, how do we keep showing up for ourselves? And she's she's wonderful. That was a really fun interview to do. I have a couple others scheduled with people who are doing really great things in our community here in Savannah. So Make-A-Wish is coming out right before they do a big event. And we have this cool art program called Loop It Up. And Molly is the person who heads up that. She's going to come talk about what they do. I'm working on getting in touch with Deep, which is this after-school literary program that helps um, people find their voice. And the Deep winner a few years ago met Michelle Obama. Really so cool. So trying to get Deep and that guy. And then our mayor in Savannah, I'm just going to say this so he can hear me saying this. <laughs> I've been emailing him. Our mayor in Savannah, I sang at his inauguration. So I feel like I sang for you. You come for me on the podcast. Yes, for Where's sure. He gave the best inauguration address. And it's this amazing story how, like, just the table and how to make the table bigger so everyone has a spot on it. And then what is your role at the table? And knowing your role at the table. It's this gorgeous analogy that, oh, just I would love for the world to hear. Plus, he's just... He's can you, I assume we can look up his speech online. Is okay. there a transcript somewhere? We'll Maybe. put it, we'll, we, I'll, I'll look for it and link it in the show notes. If not, I'm going to get him on the show and have him. He's from New York and ended up in Savannah. And now he's mayor of Savannah and just tells the best stories. And he said he played piano growing up. He's cool. I really want everyone to meet him. That's really cool. I think we're going to will him on just from so. this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, those are all the ones I have scheduled and that I've emailed. I have a couple stretch goals, but let me get through this first year and see if the listeners like me first before we start reaching for the stretch goals. <laughs> okay, well, since we ask everybody our end of podcast questions, I'm going to do the same for you. Oh, I've been dreading this because I'm <laughs> going to have the hardest time. Okay, so the first question is, who is somebody that illuminates for you or in your life? Okay, I've been going back and forth with this a lot. And I have, it's it's a person, but it's a person of a group. My middle school girls in my choir bring so much brightness to my world. They have been showing up in middle school, wearing a mask, going through the growing pains of middle school life, of middle school friendships, and they still show up every Monday with a smile in their eyeballs, since I can't see their faces. And they are just, they show up. It is just, so I would say, oh, my, my middle school girls, they illuminate my world. I love that. And gosh, middle, being a middle school girl is not easy. No. If I've no been there. Today, you are beautiful. I'm going to tell them five billion times. Right. Middle school's tough. Yes. I so know. is ninth grade. I should add my ninth graders into that. I feel like ninth grade's also pretty tough. Ninth grade, yes. And awkward. Oh, so because you're like, oh, ninth grade's not unlike being 29. Like that right. really weird and not yet 30. I don't know. I can say that now. I'm mid 30s. <laughs> okay. And what is one of your book recommendations? Oh, I made a novel for this one. I wrote down every book I've read in the last six months. So can we go through a couple options here? So I'd like sure. to a fictional one and a non-fictional one. Love it. Bring it on. Okay. So if you haven't read Praying for Sheetrock, it's a 1991 book. The last name of the author is Green with an E. 
Praying for Sheetrock tells the story of Darien County, Georgia. And I love the way she writes. It's it's a true story. So she tells the stories of the people living in Darien County. But then between the stories and the interviews, she has this real flowery text. So there is this one part, for example, where a dump truck is driving down the road. And she goes, he belched out of the side street and sashayed down the highway. And I can just see the dump truck. Anyway, it's a great story if you've never been to southern Georgia. It's a great story that kind of explains the roots of the South. So, Praying for Sheetrock, it's kind of like not fiction fiction, but it's good. Um, If you haven't read Deep Work by Cal Newport, it kind of gives the science behind how you can get stuff done. And every time anyone asks what I do, and so how do you have time for that? It's just deep work. I also binge watch Friends and sleep in and have fun. So I think it's finding what works for you. So those are my two, if I could only read two books, but if you want more, you can message me and I have a humongo list, like I'm looking at the list right now. <laughs> I have a humongo list of books because I like to read a few every month. I love it. And the last question is, what is your message for the world? Okay. You are the only you there is. That is a Jin Sincero quote. But I hope that whatever you're doing right now, you know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be at the exact right time. And just keep showing up because you are stronger than you think and you are doing all the right things. And the world is so lucky that you're in it. Thank you so much, Emmy. So excited to have you as a host. Can't wait to listen to your guests that you bring on to the show. And thanks for sharing your gift of music and connection and joy with us today.